Monday morning, uh, the fire alarm here at the church started going off. No worries, there was not a fire, uh, just a construction crew mishap and a very sensitive uh, smoke detector in the basement. It took at least 15 minutes and Alexandria's finest to turn the alarm off. Now, there's something fascinating that happens when a fire alarm, particularly in, in a commercial building, goes off. It gets your attention really fast. And get this, it not only gets your attention really fast, it holds your attention, okay? It's, it's blinking lights, it's blaring signals. You are going to pay attention to that fire alarm until you either turn the thing off or the fire is put out. It is the urgent priority of the moment. And ours here works really well. It is an, an, allergent, it is an alarming, urgent warning. Today, we continue our series, Faith in Action, which is based on excerpts from the book of James. Our passage is James chapter 3, 1 through 12, and we find James sounding the alarm. He is giving an urgent warning about the deadly, destructive power of the tongue, or what can be called the tiny terror. The tongue is the small, one of the smallest parts of the body yet it has the potential to either destroy, to burn a house down, so to speak, or it has the potential to build up and to be life-giving. Let me invite you to turn or launch your Bibles to James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. The text will be on the screen behind me as well as on your screens at home. It reads like this. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Another word for this is complete. Able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. This is the word of God for the people of God. And can't you just hear the alarm bells going off? James is urging he is warning his readers to take seriously how potentially destructive our words can be. Now, I want us to look at this from two angles. I want us to look at this from a, a narrow application and then 
a broad one. Let's first look at the trip of power. James starts with a warning about the abuse of power by teachers with the instrument of this abuse being words, being the tongue, specifically teaching false doctrine and pushing divisive agendas. David Nystrom wrote, James has in mind teachings that lead people astray, that teach theological untruth as if it were truth. When the tongue is out of control, it can destroy much that has already been done. A leader whose teaching is errant can in short order devastate years of careful and healthy growth in the life of a congregation. Such sullied theology was threatening the community to which James wrote, resulting in imperfect practice. So the idea from James here is just as a a small bit can control a horse or a small rudder can can control a, a large ship, a congregation or a group of people can be controlled by and persuaded by the teachings of a leader. Thus, teachers are judged more strictly because of their level of influence over others. We don't know the exact nature of the false teaching that James is addressing here. We know from previous passages that they were allowing favoritism to creep in to the church, and we know that they were adopting values and practices more in line with the political power of Rome rather than the servant leadership of Jesus and his kingdom. So that's probably what he was going after here. The abuse of power through false teaching is not limited to James's day, is it? Outside of the Christian community, all you have to do is take a look at the headlines and see the incredible evil that is perpetuated by the power of words uttered by evil leaders and teachers. Vladimir Putin has gaslit his whole country by comparing the Ukrainian government to Nazi Germany and the lies and disinformation has led to the killing of thousands of Ukrainians as well as thousands of Russian troops who believe his lies and the evil power of his words. Then there's Buffalo and the senseless killing of 10 African Americans by a white supremacist spouting an evil theory that is nothing less than a tool of the devil. An 18-year-old filled with hatred for the past few years has been saturated and soaking in evil lies about white domination and replacement theories. These evil lies have used to live in the dark corners of the internet, but they have made their way into more public forums. I've heard one report that said the kid actually tried a few times, but backed down, but then would go back into the the, the chat rooms that he was in and get encouraged to keep going. His evil lies were ginned up and that gave him the encouragement to go and do the evil deed. One article I read this past week reported that the leaders of the white supremacist movement have methodically worked to get their evil from old, angry, racist white men with little education to a younger demographic and more acceptable platforms. And they have succeeded. One image I have heard, one image that I have had a hard time with is this 18-year-old soaked in this evil ideology, soaked in evil words, soaked in evil teaching, 
puts on full body armor, grabs an assault weapon, and shoots an 86-year-old grandmother who was on the way home from the nursing home visiting her husband and just stopped to get a little lunch. Her name was Ruth Whitfield. She was 86 years old. The name of the other nine, Aaron Salter, 55 years old. Catherine Massey, 72 years old. Pearly Young, 77 years old. Hayward Patterson, deacon in his church, 67 year old. Celeste Cheney, 65 years old. Roberta Drury, 32 years old. Margus D. Morrison, 52 years old. Andre McNeil, 53 years old. And Geraldine Talley, 62 years old. The evil shooter, and I'm not going to mention his name, live-streamed the attack. He had etched the names of the previous mass shooters on his gun as well as racial epithets. Authorities also believe that the evil shooter planned to continue his hate-filled killing rampage by finding, quote, more black people to kill according to his alleged manifesto that spewed this racist philosophy. He was also considering schools and he was also considering churches. Someone filled him with hate-soaked evil teachings. And there are people right now filling other people up with hate-soaked evil teachings. I beg you, if you encounter this kind of hateful rhetoric, see it for what it is, Run, don't walk. It is evil. Words have deadly, destructive power. That is outside the church. At least we hope. Inside the church, the potential for false teachers to lead people astray has always been an issue. Nystrom, writing back in the late 90s, suggested that some Christians advocate a domination of the political process by Christian and even evangelical values. Some evangelical churches dangerously confuse American values with those of the New Testament. No doubt, this country has often stood against oppression and the forces of evil, but our history is spotted. To confuse the state with the church of Jesus Christ is a danger every bit as deadly as that which James confronted in his church. That's just one issue. Confusing American nationalism and the gospel of Jesus. That's just one false teaching. There have been teachers who deny the resurrection of Jesus and the miracles of Jesus or consider the false teaching of legalism and a work-based salvation and on and on and on. This is why James says teachers must be careful. No one is perfect. We all stumble. Humility and teachability are important traits that you want in a leader from those who are teaching the children right now all the way to the pulpit in the church. What about yours truly? What about OTCC? I've always considered the task of teaching, preaching to be most sacred. I study each week, even passages I have preached before, I go back and read and study again. I listen to trusted teachers. I read trusted commentaries. If I'm stumped, I call friends and say, help me here. I'm not sure about this. And I'm aware that I am fallible and may not always get it right, but please know I'm open to correction under the leadership of of the Holy Spirit and godly counsel. A great saying I once heard 
I think I heard Tim Keller say this, is always, always submit the sermon to the Bible and always submit the Bible to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Always submit the sermon to the Bible and always submit the interpretation of the Bible to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And the criteria through which we interpret the Bible is our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what James started with here on the abuse of power by using words and false teaching. But let's move to the broader application as James does as well because words can be abused not just by teachers, preachers, but by all of us. Here's a bit of wisdom from Kermit the Frog. I would dare say that we've all been there. Some things are better left unsaid, which I generally realize right after I've said them, right? Anybody go there? James here writes that human beings can tame all kinds of creatures, animals, birds, reptiles, even sea creatures, but no one can tame the tongue. He goes on to say, on one hand, we use the tongue to praise God, and on the other hand, we use it to curse human beings who are made in the likeness of God. Yet, and James is sounding a warning here, right? So he's just, just boom, boom, but he's just going full speed, just like a fire alarm. Yet we also know, and we're taught in other passages of Scripture, that our words can be used for incredible good. Like, consider just these examples. Paul writes, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? In other words, using words. And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. He describes not only the power of words, but the necessity to use them to proclaim the salvation of Jesus. So we can use our words for good. Or he writes in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another, build each other up, just just as in fact you're doing. We can use our words to encourage one another. Encourage means simply to give heart. I mean, we can use the power of our words to put heart in our brothers and sisters in the faith and give them heart to live the faith. Or as the great passage from Proverbs 16, 24, gracious words are a honeycomb. Some translations say as sweet as honey, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. I mean, we can use our words to even bring healing to the souls of people. So where's the hope? Where's the good news? I mean, if James says the tongue is untamable, full of all kinds of evil, what do we do? The answer is actually embedded in verse 12. Let me read it again. He writes, Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Your words are actually under control. They're under the control of your heart. If your heart is filled with division, hatred, envy, and the like, then that's what will eventually shape your words. But if your heart has been redeemed, if you've placed your heart under the authority of Jesus, then good will eventually shape your words. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. So on our own, we can't produce 
good words on our own. We need a redeemed, restored, renewed heart. Do Christians stumble? Yes. James alluded to that in the very beginning. N.T. Wright said the tongue seems to be the last bit of a human being to learn its lesson. Right? So it's a battle of yielding to God's Spirit constantly. But as followers of Jesus, we have the capacity. We have the ability, enabled by the Holy Spirit, to speak truth, to speak unifying words, to build each other up, and to encourage. We have the ability to speak words of wisdom, words of justice, words of love, words of mercy. We have the ability and the Spirit-enabled capacity to resist put-downs, to resist, resist insults, to resist hate speech, and to resist gossip. We are not without help. We can't do it ourselves. We cannot tame the untainable, but thanks be to God, Jesus can. On Monday when the fire alarm went off, the firefighters came, and according to code, they're the only ones who can turn it off and clear the building. We're not allowed to turn it off and say all is clear. They have to do that. They turned it off. We gave them some cookies from Together We Bake. We always do. And we said, see you next time. Because it's going to happen again. It's happened before. The only one that can redeem and renew our heart is Jesus. He's the only one. The only one who can turn our salty, dangerous, and even at times evil words into kind, loving, spirit-controlled words is Jesus. In prayer, in prayer, use your words and ask him to tame your tongue, to give you the grace and all you need to use your words to give life and to give lift to others. Amen? Let's pray. God, we lift our words before you. Search our hearts, O oh God, and bring challenge and conviction to us if we've ever used our words to bring evil and damage and destruction to others. Hear our prayers, O oh God, asking you to cleanse us, to forgive, to purify, to bring about your righteousness. Hear our prayers, O oh God, to place our entire being, even our tongue, even our words, under the control of your Holy Spirit and use us to be your mouthpiece, to bring hope through the gospel, to bring hope through your love and mercy, to build up others, to bring comfort to those who are grieving, to speak words of justice, to speak words of wisdom. We can't tame it, Lord, without you. We ask you to bring the help, to bring the hope that we need, and we trust you, and we confess you are able. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen.